Lord. If you have your Bibles, open up to Luke chapter 10. And uh, I just want to say again, thank you to all those who helped this last week. And we had a really busy weekend with the, the women's tea and the, we had the baptism going on in here and all kinds of other things going on. It just takes a lot of work, but we're just so blessed with so many great people who love and serve and give. And uh, so again, just thank you to everybody. And again, uh, thank you for for uh, blessing me on my birthday. That was just overwhelming, and uh, I'm truly uh, humbled and uh, grateful for your love and appreciation and uh, allowing me the privilege of being your pastor. Praise the Lord. So uh, thank you so much. Uh, Luke chapter 10, I want to read this account. Tonight I want to talk about fresh oil and new wine and what God pours into our lives. Let me begin in verse 25. Luke chapter 10, verse 25. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, I mean, I always read that, and I always think, man, these are some bold people. Jesus walk around doing all this stuff, and especially with Israel, with, even if he's just a prophet, amen. If these guys were lawyers and scribes and, and people read the word, just enough to see this guy, this guy could possibly be a prophet. And uh, so if they're reading the Torah, I mean, you go back to, to 2 Kings, starts out, and Elijah's sitting up on the mountain, and the soldiers are coming after him, and he goes, if I be a man of God, let fire come down and consume you and your 50. I mean, boom, and they're consumed. So, I mean, you, you got to be kind of bold to, to be testy in some of these situations. Amen. I was always reading that and thinking about that. I'm sorry. I just share my, my squirrely brain with you. Praise the Lord. And said, so, behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, What is written in the law? What is your reading of it? So he answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. Look at Jesus' answer. This always amazes me, because today we say, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Jesus didn't, tell him, Jesus didn't say, believe on me, accept me as your Savior. Look what Jesus said. They meant, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, you have answered rightly, do this, and you will live. So in other words, let me put it like this. It's one thing to believe on the Lord. It's another thing to do the word of the Lord. Believers do the word, amen, more than just believing. So just believing is not enough. You have to live the word. You have to be a doer of the word. What did James say? Don't just be hearers only, but be doers also, amen? So you have to be that doer. Verse 29, his boldness continues. But he, wanting to justify himself, I know none of us have ever done that, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And so Jesus answered and had a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. How many know that's a dire situation? Amen. Now by chance, a certain priest came down the road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him. And he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and he sent him on his set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn and took care of him. On the next day when he departed, he took out two denarii, two days' wages, and gave them to the innkeeper and said to him, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. 
So which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And he said, he who showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. A long time ago on the margin of my Bible, I wrote this. Knowing what to do and do does not justify us, only doing it does. See, knowing what to do, knowing thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy strength, and all thy mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Knowing that is one thing. Doing that is something else. Amen? And so Jesus has that, is speaking this thought. And I think it's interesting. You, you look at the, at the priest. He comes by to hear somebody. He's a priest. He's a minister of the word. You'd think that he would just do that. But, but he sees him. He didn't even go by. He just checks out. He goes, no, nope, not going there. And just keeps going on his way. The Levite actually goes over and looks and then passes on. But then this other person who is a Samaritan, who is totally disqualified in Jewish culture at that time, the guy who nobody thinks would have any compassion or they're disrespected by the whole culture that day, even partway today, and that is the one that goes over and shows the love of God. Amen? So look at the cover of your outline. Jesus did something for us that the priest and the Levite could not do. He poured in oil and wine into our wounds and upon our lives. Oil and wine represent the two major works of the Holy Spirit in the earth today. Or in other words, the infilling of the Holy Spirit and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon our lives. Look inside your outline. The Holy Spirit has always been here with man, except prior to the day of Pentecost, he was limited in operation. Okay, so before Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was limited in operation. You read different things, and in, in, in there, there were three main people who had the anointing of God, the anointing of the Holy Spirit upon their life. That would be the prophet, the priest, and the king were the three that had the anointing of God, the average people. In Moses' day, God said to Moses, I place my spirit upon you. Now you choose out 70 others, and I'll take of the spirit that is on you, a portion of the spirit that's on you, and I will place it upon them. But for the people as a whole, for the general population of, the, of, the, of God's people, that wasn't available. So it was specific and limited in his operation. The resurrection brought a release. The veil was rent from top to the bottom in the temple. This was to signify an open entrance into his presence. And sometimes, you know, they're cool songs. We say, you know, take me into the holy of holy. Well, yeah, he ripped that all the way open. God's busted out. Amen. So he's not just in the holy of holy. We now are the holy of holies, if that makes that's all right with you. We're the place that his spirit abides now. He's not behind a curtain. He's supposed to be in our heart. Could you say amen? So this was to signify an open entrance into his presence. This also meant that the Holy Spirit was released, no longer confined behind that veil. He is now released out. His desire today is to live in us. God's desire is to live in you and me. Are you with me? That's his desire, by his Spirit, that we be alive with God on the inside. No longer places, God no longer places his Spirit in buildings, no matter how much they cost. I mean, ever gone into a building and, and you felt like the presence of God in that building that's just like residue it's kind of like uh, on Saturday our, 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 our Indian friends East Indian friends they had their water baptism and they go pastor we, we would like to have a potluck afterwards we have potlucks afterwards and uh, so I said sure so we had the table set up for them in there but, but they had curry food in here. And so we came over to clean up after they were done after the tea and this place smelled marvelous it was like, 
And so that, there was no curry in here, but there was a residue. So you could sense, man, there was great food in here. In fact, it was so good, we actually did go out to Indian Buffet for Mother's Day. Pastor Sue likes it. I talked to her. actually went to the, to the Indian house down in Folsom, had a great lunch in that. And her mom went with us. She's not real hot on going back, so Sue and I have a private place to go eat. Amen. So anyway, so anyway it, uh, it was awesome. But that, that's the way it is. We carry the presence of God with us. And just like their food left an aroma in this building, when you go into a place and you sense the peace of God or the presence of God. It's the residue of those who have carried him into that place. And we have had fellowship in God's anointing upon our lives has been there. And it's left this aroma of his presence. Second Corinthians 2 said that we, we, we are the aroma. In fact, turn there. Watch this. Second Corinthians chapter 2. Second Corinthians chapter 2. And verse 14, now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. And through us, look at this, diffuses, manifests the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. Through us, we carry the manifest aroma of the presence of God. Or the aroma of his presence is upon our life. So the same way their food left the aroma of curry when you go into a place. We now carry, God doesn't live in buildings. Anytime you sense his presence in a building, it's because somebody that was a carrier of the presence of God had been in there. Amen? And when God's people go into a place, when people come in here and they go, man, this place, I feel peace in this place. That's because we're carriers, amen, of the presence of God, of the aroma of God. And we leave that residue behind it. Look at verse 15. For we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. And I don't want to read all that, but that's, uh, there's that twofold uh, awareness of his presence, one unto condemnation, the other one unto lie. But go back to this. So we are now the temple that he dwells in. You're there in 2 Corinthians. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Excuse me, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, not chapter 1. And verse 16. He says, do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? Think about that. The nation of Israel would go into the temple prior to Christ coming, prior to the resurrection, and that they would go into the temple and they knew that God dwelt in the Holy of Holies. But now God doesn't, the temple's rent, the Holy Spirit's been released. He doesn't abide in building. He dwells in you and I. Amen? So powerful. Look, look at chapter 6 and verse 19. It says, Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is you, who is in you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. Amen. So God has taken up residence in us. I don't know about you, that excites me. Amen. So God's temple was in excellent condition when it was a building and well taken care of. And he desires the same today and will work with us to make it so. God wants us to, to be a temple that's fit for his presence. Amen. 
He, he, and, and he provides everything we need. He provides us with healing. He provides us with strength. He provides us with joy. He gives us everything we need to be a temple that is fit for his presence. Amen? And we have to take man. Go with me to Romans chapter 8. You doing all right? Romans chapter 8. And I love verse 11. Look at what it says. It says, but if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Praise the Lord. One person had a, we, we had a, a family in our church and, and one of their relatives came to visit. And after service, she was asking, where does your pastor get his energy? I said, well, right here. The Spirit who dwells in you. You should be people of energy, of Holy Ghost energy. Amen. And that's why the Bible says we renew our minds. So we have to see, man, this is available. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. He's quickened us. He enables us to do the work, to live the life, amen, that he has for us. Think about it. The Holy Spirit used to come on people from time to time, but today he desires to live in us and to be upon us continually. The Old Testament here, this person got anointed. We'll read a couple here in a minute. That person got anointed, and there's up and gone, up and gone, up and gone, on, gone, on, off, on, off, on, off. Wait a minute. But for you and I, he's to be there continually. Amen? He's the helper. He's with us. That's why Jesus said, it's expedient for you that I go away. He said to his disciples, if I go, if I don't go, he won't come. But if I go, he will come. He will abide with you. He will be in you forever. Amen? He'll be in you, with you, and upon you forever. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Praise the Lord. That's awesome. So look at In 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 46, the Spirit of God comes upon Elijah and equips him to outrun Ahab's chariot. So he's sitting there and the Spirit of God comes out, and boom, he runs faster than a chariot. Amen. Then the next thing you know, here he hears Jezebel's after him, and he goes and hides in a cave. So where'd the Holy Ghost go that strengthened him to outrun a chariot? Now he's too scared to stand up to a woman. Amen. So watch this. Then in 1 Kings 19, Elijah outruns in his own strength from, Je from Jezebel. So he just turns around just a few verses. Now in his own strength, in, in, under the anointing, he can outrun a chariot. But his own strength, he can't stand up to the opposition of Jezebel. And next, Samson's strength was only there when the anointing of the Holy Spirit would come upon him. You read in Judges there, I gave you, we don't have time to read it tonight, but it said the Spirit of God would come upon Samson even at the end of his life. He said, Lord, let one more time, let your Spirit come upon me. And he pulls down those pillars and, 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 and wins that great victory against the Philistines at the end of his life. But the anointing of God comes upon him at that moment. It wasn't there all the time. And he played with it. We've got to be careful. We don't play with God. Samson played with the anointing. We don't want to play with God. Amen? So the Old Testament priest also had to be anointed in order to be able to enter into the presence of God in the Holy of Holies on behalf of the people. The anointing would come upon him and equip him. And if he wasn't right, he'd go in there. And if his bell stopped jingling, they had that little, little drag-me-out rope tied to him. 
<laughs> Amen. You get all fixed up, say, man, it's my time. You go, what you, what's that rope for? That's in case you're not ready, Bubba. <laughs> if you're not right, we're not coming in after you because only, only the priest can go in there. Anybody else goes in there, gets consumed by the presence of God. And that's something we forget. We forget about the consuming power of God's presence. And in that, we have to walk, as Chris ministered a couple weeks ago, in the fear of the Lord. We have to remember that there's a reverential respect for the things of God and for God himself. Could you say amen? And we walk in that. So thinking, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit is the abiding proof of our redemption. God living in us, as Paul said we read. His indwelling, abiding presence is the proof of our redemption. God, Christ in you. Look, Paul said, the mystery hid from the ages. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Amen? So the blood of Jesus is a complete atonement. Not just a part-time work, but a full time redemption think about it jesus poured on oil and then poured in wine just like the good samaritan he pours oil on the outside and then pours wine in the new side jesus brings healing and restoration to our life and then pours in new life how many are thankful that god's a god of restoration He's a great God of restoration. So he comes, just like the Good Samaritan is illustrating, he brings, starts to begin ministering, healing and restoration to him, and then begins pouring in new life into him. Praise God. The new birth comes to us as the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. <laughs> Excuse me. The anointing comes to us as the outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon our life. And those are two different factors. In fact, my son Austin in... Uh, in uh, Gettysburg uh, asked me if I would co-author a book with him on the Holy Spirit. And I said, I'll do it this way. I'll send you every message I've written on the Holy Spirit. If you want to make a book out of it, God bless you. Amen. So anyway, but, but we're going to work together on that. But this is an area that two people miss. There's a difference between the indwelling and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. There's a difference between being born of the Spirit and being anointed with the Spirit. Amen. Jesus was born of the Spirit, conceived of the Spirit. You and I are born again by the Spirit. But then at his baptism, he was anointed by the Spirit. And the word of the Lord to John was, you'll know him when you see the Holy Spirit descending upon him and remaining there. So you can tell the anointing, and that's what Jesus said when he came back from the wilderness in Luke chapter 4. He said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me. For the, and he lists and delineates out the work of the ministry. And so we're born and we're made alive unto God. The inward is our life of God. We have the life of God. We carry his life on the inside of it. But then we're anointed to live for him and to be his ministers in the earth. Are you with me? So powerful when we understand that. <coughs> excuse me. And make that distinction. See, the indwelling of the new birth comes. And then the infilling of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. So we're talking about being filled with the Holy Spirit. But as that outpouring is also a filling within it. The new birth comes first. Go with me to Acts chapter 19. I had to kick out one of my pastor friends uh, uh, posted a, a question on Facebook, and he said, what's the one thing in Christianity for you that's non-negotiable? Let me ask you, what, what would be one thing that's non-negotiable to you in your faith? One thing. You, you get to pick one thing that's non-negotiable in Christianity. Huh? Yep. 
That sums it up. People are going this and that and this and that and this and that. And I just wrote the Word. Because the Word covers everything else. Everything we want to say, well, this thing or that thing, it, it, if it's not the Word, it doesn't matter anyway. And if it's just your opinion, then it really doesn't matter. <laughs> Amen? <laughs> so, <laughs> hallelujah. But to Acts chapter 19 and verse 2, it's at 1 and 2. And it happened while Apollos was at, starting in verse 1, at Corinth, that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus, and finding some disciples... He said to them, watch it. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Isn't that an interesting question? Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Look what they say. And they said, we have not so much heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. So we believe. But we, and so then, then what were you baptized into? And to what were you baptized? So they said, into John's baptism. Oh, for their mission to sin. And Paul said, John indeed baptized with water, uh, with, with a baptism of repentance, saying that the people, that they should believe on him who would come after him. <coughs> that is on Christ Jesus. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came up, what? Upon them. And they spoke with tongues and prophesied. And the men were about twelve in all. The same thing with Paul. You go to Acts chapter 9 with the Apostle Paul. He gets saved on the road to Damascus. And, and then he's there praying. The Lord appears to Ananias. You go down and pray to Saul. You go to, to, to Simon the Tanner's house. And Paul's there. You go down to a street called Straight. There you find Paul praying. And he's waiting and he's seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming to him to pray for him. Lay his hands on him that he may receive his sight and receive the Holy Spirit. Amen. And so here's Paul, here he is, he's given his life, who are you, Lord? He's gotten saved, confessed Christ as the Savior, he's there, he's praying, waiting on the Lord, but then he's waiting for somebody to pray for him to receive the promise of the Father. Are you with me? So he's receiving that outpouring. So he has the indwelling, but he's waiting for the outpouring. In Acts chapter 8, you can read in verses 14 through 16, Philip goes down and preached to Samaria. And then while he's there in Samaria, they all get saved. They all get baptized and says that, that when the, the apostles heard that Samaria had received the word of God and they had been baptized in the name of Jesus, they sent Peter and John down to them because the Holy, as of yet, everybody say as of yet. As of yet, the Holy Spirit had not come upon any of them. So then Peter and John go down and lay their hands on them. And as they're laying their hands on them, they're being filled with the Holy Spirit. And according to the pattern set in the book of Acts, they're, they're speaking in tongue with the evidence of, of praying in the Spirit, speaking in tongue and prophesying and the manifestation of the Holy Spirit upon their life. Simon, seeing this great manifestation, wants to buy the gift to lay his hands on people so they would receive the Holy Spirit. And we know how that turned out not well for Simon. Amen? And so anyway, this is that area that at Pentecost both came. There were those that there that believed, but as of yet had not received him as their Savior. See, there's a big difference between believing in Jesus and receiving him. Amen? John chapter 1 verse 12 says this, To as many as received him, not believed him, but to as many as received him, gave he the power to become the sons of God. So when I receive Christ, receiving me, receiving him, being born of the Spirit, the indwelling of the Spirit, that's the power for you and I to become the children of God. Amen? Hallelujah. So think about this. I know this is basic, but I'm going somewhere with this, so stay with me. See, the days of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit began on the day of Pentecost and have never ceased. This is the distinction of the church age. The Holy Spirit 
is the distinction of the church age. What makes the church different from anything else? What, what makes Christianity different from any other faith, any other religion in our nation? We said, well, just go to your house, your house of worship, your mosque, your this, your that, da-da-da-da-da, all faith. No, there's one distinction that separates us from any other, and that's the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Amen. God's manifest presence in his church, his ecclesia, his called out ones when we assemble. That's what, that's what makes church so dynamic. That when we come together, when we're worshiping God, when we're entering into his presence, the Holy Spirit falls in that place and that precious presence comes. Amen. And so when we get hungry, God, we come for your presence. And he comes and he fills that place. And then people who don't know the Lord come into the presence of God. And they sense something. And they experience the life of God. And that's when their hearts open up and people are born again. Amen? They're open to receive the word and accept Christ. Praise the Lord. Amen. Joel chapter 2. Turn there with me. We'll go back. We're just reading a bunch of foundational scriptures. It's good to read. Sometimes it's good to remind yourself. Amen. People go, Pastor, you need to preach a new message. Well, I only got one book to preach out of. Amen. So no matter what I preach, I'm preaching something old, but we need to hear it again. That's why Peter said, it's not laborsome or cumbersome for me to tell you the same thing over and over again. Amen. We need to get it. We need to be reminded. There's things I need to remind myself of. Amen. How many ever set a reminder for yourself? Smartphones are cool. You can remind yourself, I need to do that. I need to do that. My wife has like 17 alarms. They go off all day. She has an alarm set for everything she needs to do. Different time they call this person, do that. I go, man, what is that? Oh, I set myself an alarm. Amen. So we need to set ourselves an alarm for faith. Amen. Remind ourselves. Stir up your faith. Joel chapter 2. Joel chapter 2. And look at verse 24. Look what it says. The threshing floor shall be full of wheat, and the vat shall overflow with what? New wine and oil. Now, this is prophecy about the last days, what God's going to do in the last day, that there's going to be an outpouring and a fulfillment and a blessing, and part of that's going to be an overflow of new wine and oil in our life. Look at verse 28 and 29. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on, everybody say on, all flesh, your sons and your daughters, what? Shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams. Amen. I'm moving into the old man category. I'm looking forward to dreams. Hallelujah. And uh, your young men shall see visions. Also on my manservants and on my maidservants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. So Joel is prophesying there's coming today when God's spirit is going to be poured out, not just on the prophet, the priest, and the king, but on all of his people, from the youngest to the oldest, and everybody's going to live by the power and the presence of God. Amen? Hallelujah. So think about it. The vats of heaven have overflowed, and it all started that day in the upper room, and we're still living in the day of his outpouring. When I got to go to Israel with the pastors, with, with Kufi, and uh, the 34 pastors of us went there, when we got to the upper room, and, and some of you have been here, you've heard the, the story, but I'm going to tell it again. It's one of the most amazing experiences, and I still have the video archived in my phone, but we're there in the upper room. And uh, my, my dear friend, Doug Bird, at, at each station where we went as we traveled during the day, we'd have a time, we'd have devotions, and one of the pastors was given the opportunity two or three times a day, we'd have devotion, and uh, 
so we were given the opportunity to speak, and it was Doug's turn to uh, bring the devotion while we were in the upper room. It was perfectly fitting for Doug and that because he's crazier than I am. And so he's in there, and he just starts preaching on, do it again, God. Do it again. And we have th- this little uh, uh, Jewish man, and, and uh, he's there, and, and uh, he, he just loves God and just serving and everything, but, but just in his own faith and stuff, and, and he's hanging out. And, uh, and then the presence of God falls in that place. And we began, it was kind of cool because some of us could kind of sing. Danny, we, we had Regine Wilson with us who used to travel with Brother Hagen, just a great guy. And uh, he, he can just sing phenomenal. And, and then Denny and, uh, 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 from, from up in uh, uh, Oregon was there and he's a great singer. And then Danny, who is Brother uh, Joey Steelman's worship leader. So we had three or four guys that were really good singers and some of us could kind of sing. But when we all got together in those stone room walls, and you get 34 men worshiping God, God, just it is glorious, amen. And we're just singing, we're worshiping God, and we're just carrying, and the presence of God falls in there, and that anointing just falls. And, and the, our, our little guy's name was Abraham, and he's going, oh, what is this? What is this? What's going on? What is this? And Doug's just going, do it again, God! Do it again! Yeah, do it again! And, so, and then we're just there, and we're worshiping, and we're just singing in the Spirit, and praying in the Spirit, and worshiping God. And then all of a sudden, a whole group, the group behind us, is these Pentecostal gypsies from France. And they come in there, and they start praying and singing in the Holy Ghost with us. And then the women are behind us going, la, 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 la. and I'm like, what? Man, it was awesome. The whole thing. And, they, and then they're up on the stairs. This whole thing's going on. And Abraham's over there. I don't understand. I don't understand. And Doug Jones, it's a Holy Ghost. You need him now. It was awesome. Amen. But God is so good. Because he started pouring him out. And he's never ended. So we go in, and, and, and here we are. We're supposed to be in the upper room where this happened, but literally, Israel's been rebuilt so many times. This room is supposed to be kind of where, in proximity to where they believe the upper room would have been, but you're on 40 feet of rubble underneath you. So the original one, 40 feet below you, but we're really in the upper, upper room. Amen? And so we're there. And just, but God still, if you seek him, if you hunger for him, he will pour out his spirit. God will manifest in our church, in our service. If we'll come into our service, God, I'm hungry for your prayer. Lord, I just want to see. I want to carry. I want to smell your fragrance. I want to be a partaker of that aroma. Amen? And be a carrier of it. So the vats of heaven have overflowed, and we're still living in the days of his outpouring. Oil and wine refer to the double blessing or double portion. Go with me to Psalms chapter 23. Psalms 23 and verse 5 reads like this. For time's sake, I'll read probably before you get there, and you can read it later, but you know it by heart probably. You prepare a table before me in the presence of what? My enemies. My cup, you, you anoint my head with oil, and my cup overruns. Amen? Runs over. So the, the outpouring of oil and reference to wine and, and, and the life of God and the anointing of God, that double portion flow is the reference there. Psalms 104 and verse 
<coughs> excuse me, 15 says this, and wine that makes glad the heart of man, oil to make his face shine, and bread which strengthens a man's heart. So we have the oil and the wine of the life of God and the anointing of the Holy Spirit, and then we have the living bread of God's Word. Amen? Hallelujah. So good. So think about it. The renewing and reconditioning effect of oil is seen. Go with me to Matthew chapter 9. Is this all right tonight? I hope it encourages you. Matthew chapter 9. Jesus speaking, he's talking about the reason of the fast and what's going on and how come your, your disciples don't fast. But in verse 17, he gives the explanation. Nor do people put new wine into old wineskins or else the old wineskins break and the wine is spilled and the wineskin is ruined. But they put new wine into new wineskins and both are preserved. And part of that is also renewed wine, not just new, new, but a, a, a renewal. How many know that, that, by, that we're born again, Titus chapter 3, by the renewing of the Holy Ghost? And the Holy Spirit is spoken of as oil and reference as oil. But what they would do, they'd take these wineskins and then they would take oil and they would rub it into the skin and make it pliable and soft again. And so the anointing, that's what the word anointing means. It means to rub on, to smear on, to press in, to just so the anointed. Today we anoint you and people are, are so careful. So we, we have to just take a little dab. We kind of dippity-do anointing. Remember the old dippity do commercials, a little dabble, do ya? Some of you aren't old enough to remember that. Anyway, so we do this, and you tell, oh, not, not too much, my forehead will shine. All right, whatever, here. We dab you with a little bit of oil and put that on there and stuff. But in the Old Testament, when you were anointed, the prophet or the priest would bring a horn of oil, and they would pour it over you. R.W. Schombach used to have tent meeting, and he had a bucket of oil. And he'd go, dip his arm up in there. And he'd smather you. <laughs> Amen. And but they had miracles, praise the Lord. Amen. Maybe we need to get back to smathering instead of dabbing. <laughs> Amen. This Sunday, we're going to have a smathering service. Amen. Don't wash your hair before you come. <laughs> not really it's a joke amen so watch it and so uh, but, but it says here that they, they, they put new wine into new wineskin but it has to be pliable because of wine and so when wine expands if the skin isn't restored and made pliable then that expansion causes it to break and God does the same thing for your life and for mine. Jesus is talking about people. He's not talking about wineskins. Amen? He's talking about what he got. God is bringing his restoration. He pours on the oil, and then he pours in the wine. So he brings restoration. So for you and I, God, that anointing and that presence of God is being rubbed into our lives. We're being made pliable. So as God comes in, God comes in and expands our life. Are you with me? 
the Word of God comes and He enlarges our life. But if we don't allow that oil and the restoration to take place, that expansion is going to cause us to crack and we'll give break under the pressure. So think about it. Renewing and reconditioning effective oil is seen there. There are two words for new. Neos, which means brand new wine, including the comparative or recently born young and youthful new, but it also means to regenerate. Kinaios, or, or, or kinos, means renewed skins as respect from form, f- form. Recently made fresh, recent, unused, unworn as respects substance of a new kind, unprecedented, novel, uncommon, unheard of. So they're, they're saying God is doing an unheard of thing in us in the renewal process and taking that. Unless wine was kept in the skin, they would become dry and cracked and they could no longer, would no longer be able to stretch and needed to be made soft again before they could be used. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 5. And we need to remember this. We need the anointing. We need the presence of God. We need the oil of the Holy Spirit. Or else in our Christianity, we just get become old, cracky, brittle, dried up wineskins. Amen. And that's why then we try to get filled up, and then we burst on everybody, and we just make a mess and stain the carpet and upset everybody. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 5, look at verse 18 and 19. Don't be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. The, the original Greek says, ever be being filled, always be being filled with the Spirit. Let your wineskin always be filled with the Holy Spirit. As, as you're doing that, the Bible talks over and over of again, them being filled, being full, being filled again, being filled. Come on, as we're pouring out, He pours back in. As we're living in this flow, it's a flow. It's an inflow and an outflow through our life. But keep yourself speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Amen? And so we keep ourselves soft by keeping wine, our, 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 our skins filled with the presence of God, the wine of the life of God. The Father has sent the Holy Spirit to bring renewal to our lives and to pour in the new wine of His life. Jesus said that men put new wine into renewed wine skin, skins that have been rubbed with the oil of restoration. And God will do that for everyone today. How many would agree? I'm so thankful for the restoration of God in my life. The other day I was just at the house and I was getting ready to pull out and I'd just stand there and I'd been just with spring and everything happened. I'd just look back and say, man, thank you, Lord. You know, it's just spring, all the little plants and everything blooming and stuff. And I was just so thankful. And then thinking about my life, family, ministry, my church family, just so thankful for the restoration of God. Amen. Since 1978, walking with God and seeing Him work in my life, that that healing process never ends. Amen. God continually restoring. And, and it's amazing because you watch, God just keeps doing it. And just more. You see, God has more for your life. Are you with me? He has more for our life if we'll just live in that place of gratitude with Him. Think about it. He brings that amazing restoration. See, the good Samaritan comes and rubs the healing oil of atonement upon our lives and conditions our heart to be soft enough to receive the infilling of the Holy Spirit and the restoration of youthfulness. <coughs> and then the command is, go and do likewise. See, we were, you and I, we were the guy on the side of the road. 
And then Jesus comes and he's the good Samaritan in our life. He brings us restoration and healing and then restores our life to purpose. And then he sends us out to do the same for others. Think about it. Our usefulness is connected to sharing what we have received with those who are still by the road. Right here in El Dorado County, there are people by the road every day. People that are stripped, broken, and abused by life. And they just need somebody who's passing by that'll just have the compassion of Christ in their heart. And the only way to have that is to live filled with the Holy Spirit. To allow our lives to be filled. To live in that place of knowing, man, the life of God. I'm the temple of God. His life dwells on the inside of me. His anointing is upon me. I'm equipped to do this. I'm anointed to do this. Amen? And then we begin to minister out of that. Come on, we're not so self-righteous. That's what I love when we house the homeless, when we were part of that, or we do other things, our outreach and stuff. Uh, people were, some of the young guys were posting a few years ago, I think it was five years ago now, that we went to the little community up here be, behind where the... the True Value Hardware used to be, and then they moved across the street. But up behind the hill right over here, we went in there and completely renovated that community up. We built a park. We put in a playground. Chris bought the tractor. We paved roads. We did all this stuff. We planted. We just spruced that place up for all those people there. We brought in gifts and things and had a big party and stuff. And just loving on a poor section of our community. Amen? Man, we need to plan to do that again. That was a great time. And the church came together. It was amazing to see the community come together. Different people donated products and services and doing it. It was an amazing time. But that's just part, just going out and loving on people. Amen? And just showing them the love and the compassion of God. See, our usefulness is connected to sharing what we have received with those that are stripped, broken, and abused by life. We are now God's agent to our generation for restoration and reconciliation. We can no longer pass by on the other side. We've got to fight from becoming religious. People pass by, and they're looking for somebody. Uh, the priest passed by. Just look. Wouldn't even go over there and get engaged. and get come, just, just said, wait a minute. I'm the priest. I'm too good for this, and just moved right on. The Levite went over there, had a little bit of curiosity, but once he saw what the need was, he couldn't be bothered. But then the person that totally unexpected, I don't know about you, I want to be that Samaritan. Amen? I want to be that. So I got a kick out of it. We were having lunch on, uh, on Saturday, and uh, we were in Chipotle over here, and I don't even know if they can do it or not, but I, I, I just love the tenacity of these kids and these girls in there. They said they're from a youth group in Ione, but they were selling like these crazy 3D uh, hologram pictures and stuff. They go, we're, we're raising money for our youth group. And I'm looking at it. I said, well, it's cool. It's making me dizzy, but it's kind of cool. Amen. So they got this one of this wolf. These other, they want to flip to us. I said, no, I don't want to buy a picture, honey. And that and I didn't tell her I'm a pastor. I already support a youth group. I do all this stuff. So I, you know, so I said, oh, we're doing that. So I said, well, that's all. She goes, well, we actually have, you know, we have a square. You can give by credit card. I said, God bless you. You're like ready for this, aren't you? Amen. She goes, well, if you don't want to buy a picture, you could just donate cash. I go, man, you just won't quit. So I just gave her some cash just for her tenacity. Amen. And doing that, but just live to be generous, live to give, and don't be, it's easy to be annoyed, she'd say, man, what are you doing, are you even supposed to be in here, do they even know you're in here bugging their customers, <laughs> I mean, know what I'm saying, so doing that, but just live with a heart of compassion towards people, praise God for a young person out there raising funds for their youth group, amen, and think about it, so we're God's agents to our generation for reconciliation and restoration, we can no longer pass by on the other side, why? We must reach them with our love. We have to raise them with compassion back to help and truth. And then we release them to go out and do the same for others. Amen? That's our goal. 
as a church for why we exist. Not just, I love coming together and doing this, but after we do this, we need to go out and minister to somebody who's on the side of the road. Think about it. The people of the world are the traveler today. The believer is empowered by the Holy Spirit is the Samaritan. The church is the end, and Jesus is the source of our provision. Go back with me to Luke chapter 15. Watch this. Verse 35, on the next day when he departed, excuse me, Luke chapter 10, I said 13, but Luke chapter 10. On the next day when he departed, verse 35, he took out two denarii and gave to them to the innkeeper and said, take care of him. Whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay. And when I read that, I think about it, Lord Whatever I spend of my own for you, there's a day coming when you're coming back. Amen? And whatever I feel like I've had to give out of my necessity to minister to somebody else, look at what the Lord said. When I come back, I will repay. Amen? He is our source and our provision. But more than that, when we understand that... Knowing He's our provision as we minister to you on being blessed, broken, and given. He provides out of the resource of heaven so we can minister this compassion to others. Do you agree? Amen. Amen. Bow your heads with me this evening. Heavenly Father.